coming up. Matt does some ice hockey. I shot a lot of four matches with a lot of goals. And Masterclass, we have a Northern and Southern Hemisphere theme to it. Pledge cues, a slew of new resolutions. CNN doesn't do fake news. Episode 69 is next. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line! Konnichiwa, this is you, Vocal. Shalom, this is Matt Cohen. Welcome to Big Lens Fast Shutter, where we demystify the world of sports photography. And if you have forgotten, and I know you haven't, it's never too late to send a couple of bucks our way. Since this is a 100% user-funded audiovisual entertainment, please go to patreon.com slash BLFS and show us how much you love us. Because we are here to make you a better sports photographer. News. Here at News, both Ryu and I will tell you our best and worst shoot of the previous month. And we talk about ourselves because we have to. Yeah, we kind of have to, even though if there wasn't anything much happening. Do you want to start or should I start the good and the bad? Yeah, I don't really have any bad. I shot, I really only shot hockey over the winter. I just decided to spend more time on contracts and paperwork and stuff. So, yeah, it's been super exciting. Hockey's been good. When you shoot a bunch in a row, you get the timing down. So it's definitely, like, there have been some seasons where just because of the schedule and where I was, I was getting, like, one game a month. But you get, like, three games in 10 days or something like that. It's just, I don't know, the timing, the timing of it works out better and it's more fun. Get better pictures. That's been the good of it. The bad of it is legal stuff. It's just writing contracts and revisions and all that is not the fun part of photography at all. It's one of those times you just kind of want to like have a assistant to do all that kind of stuff. I think it's the same like you of things that like I had to like books stuff and like do invoices and all that kind of stuff and I do all the accounting stuff and I have to do all those things like on my own. I do most of it and, like my mo- my uh, my mom <laughs> my wife kind of does the the rest of it and then we have to like then submit it to the tax office and it's just it's just a pain in the ass and I'm so lazy doing those things and <laughs> my wife gets angry at me because when I don't get things done in time like she just gets really pissed off. It's not my fault though. It's 100% my fault, but I guess I'm just like not built that way, which is a shame because I know some people who are very kind of, you know, not stru- my, uh, disciplined and structural in their life when it comes to the administrative things, but I'm not part of those people. Just very sad. As for me, I uh, did a couple of work for Nike and the um, under 19 like Japanese selection that traveled to Milan to do it because they're part of like this. Uh, I think you know they paid to actually get into this thing. Um, Inter Milan actually like organized this whole thing, which is really really bad in terms of like they've got these teams in in, in near Milan. Who were supposed to play this like the selection team? It's a selection, so basically, like, it's pretty much like 
half of the best high school aged football players in Japan versus these like like literally like scrubs. They should be probably playing the B team of Inter Milan, like they're younger, like the the youth team. So they play like all these like other crappy teams. I think the first game they destroyed them eleven and one, and the other, the next game was eight eight two zero. So they conceded like they scored twenty nineteen goals in two games, and then they conceded one. And when you're shooting things like that, it's it's so much of a a bore because there's there's so many goals and but what I really notice is that it's very difficult to shoot celebrations because they don't celebrate. Some things that you guys should probably be thinking of as well, like when teams don't celebrate, when you're t- when you're they're, you're shooting particular. I don't know cultural background because in Jap- Japanese people just don't, they don't celebrate at all, and there's some certain like cultural backgrounds people just don't celebrate very very well, and Japan just doesn't do it. You flip over to Korea on the other hand, Asia, similar you know geographical location, but they celebrate a lot and they're very very quite fiery type of people. It's a strange, strange thing, and it's very frustrating because, like, you really want to, you know, then and, and you want to actually get that shot of like them celebrating, and you just you think you have eleven chances again. I got one, <laughs> so it um it sucks. Like it really, really, really sucks. And the bad is that uh, yeah, I was away quite a lot this entire month of work stuff. Basically, I think shooting wise, not much. Huh? I mean, like, I'm quite happy with like what is going around, but. I'm just waiting for my accreditation to come through on World Cup, and like that waiting game is a bit bad. Like I just want to get over it, so I know if I'm gonna go or not. So that's the very exciting January 2018 edition of news. I just want to say Happy New Year to the Big Lens Flash Shutter team. We'll keep on going, and hopefully this will be an exciting, exciting, exciting 2018. Give you an assignment and you show us if you've been listening. Don't doze off and show us that you've been an attentive student or a bad one. Um, before we start this, I completely forgot to get into like the other stuff. The other thing that we wanted to kind of discuss and like say was that Michael K started a thread. Michael K started a thread uh, on the Flickr Big Lens Fast Shutter group. And he wants to do a meetup in 2018. It's not out of the realm of craziness that this could actually happen. I will try to do a meetup with Matt and maybe do something over there in California. Um, we are fully supportive of whether you want to do that in California or anywhere in the continental United States, or you want to do it out here in Europe. It's absolutely, absolutely, I'll be absolutely happy to do it. Matt will probably be not happy but he will definitely do it because you know inside he's a very nice person so if you've got any sort of like what's the meetup like consists of how many people three four three would that be a meetup three plus matt three plus me because two is not a meetup is it no three right yeah minimum three so if you guys can if all three of you at this point so it's michael jim kevin that's it so If Michael, Jim, and Kevin can get a place that they can all kind of decide on and a time, and if it's somewhere near where Matt lives in, well, San Francisco is closer than Los Angeles, right, for you? Yeah. San Francisco, hopefully not during rodeo season, then I think you can make it happen. You can 
keep on discussing of the, on this thread called Any Chance of a BLFS, BLFS Meetup in 2018, and that is on theflickr.com. Um, and the page, you just have to search for Big Lens Flash Shutter. You'll be able to actually go and find that um, group. And if you have any input as to why, if you can all come to California and you'll get to meet the uh, world famous Matt Cohen, you know, might get disappointed, but at least you'll get to meet him in person, you know. And he said he will wear like cowboy getup if you guys all show up. At least he'll do that. So let's go to Simon Desk. Uh, we've asked you to shoot low and kind of close, but very, 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 very low. Like you're actually like old, like your your stomach is on the ground low. And we got some pictures, and they're okay, except for like the one that first one that John Moore did, and the other one, yeah, I'm okay with it. Like I'm not crazy. So there's basically only two of them. So the participation is not very, very. Yeah, this is a little bit disappointing because this is something that you can do no matter what you're shooting, no matter where you're shooting. And it's important to, you know, to be able to shoot like this. You know, you you have to. I see these people on the sidelines at games and they're 70 to 200 on a monopod and they're, you know, standing up and they're six feet tall or whatever. You're just not going to get any good pictures like that. You really need to be down on the ground. And it the more the more discomfort you're willing to endure, the better the pictures are going to be. I don't know. It's, it's disappointing. This is easy. This is even to get like a bad picture to put in here to say that you tried it or something is, is easy. I don't, there's some where when we think of it, it's like, this is an important thing that we should be talking about, but we're probably not going to get very many entries. This one was like a compromise. <laughs> you know, I, the the original, I forget what it was, but the original idea we had was something that I thought we wouldn't get any entries for, so we didn't do it. And now we're looking at something that is anybody can do anytime they're shooting and there's only three total entries. That's it's not good. No. You should do these. Even if you think that you don't have a great picture or something like that, you should do these because it's important to not just listen to what we, what we say here, but to put it into practice. And putting it into practice isn't like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll get around to doing that. It's I have a shoot tomorrow night and I'm going to do this, even if it's for 10 minutes or something like that. So participate. Like you should you should make it a New Year's resolution to actually enter all of these for the whole year i guarantee you you'll get better i guarantee you that's a good one no one actually said that either huh? for the new resolution i mean i don't yeah we'll talk about the new resolution later on because we didn't actually get any questions on the, um, the pledge cues yeah i mean this was uh, yeah this is massive like i thought it was a doable thing and you guys decide not to so it's you, you know, like if you want to get better at doing things. I do actually, because it's frustrating because again, you know, we see all the pictures that come into the pool. I would rather those pictures were better. I don't want to sit here and look at bad pictures. The only way that I can think to have everybody get better is to participate because the people who have, the people who have taken this seriously, the people who have been with us for the longest, the people who do the assignments and think and you know, show us that they're listening, they've all gotten so much better. You know, the people who resist, the people who want to argue about whether a picture is good or not or whatever, those are the people who aren't getting any better. And the people who are trying the things that we say and incorporating them are getting better. It would seem to me a pretty easy call to just say, I'm just going to do it because it's there's nothing to lose. No, there isn't. You know, either you're you're already listening and watching and participating and whatever, 
looking at the pictures that we put up and downloading the podcast and everything, it's just one more thing. Just when you shoot, do what we say and enter it into the uh, assignment desk. Why else are you here? Like, why do we have yeah. all these people who are listening and only two people no. entering? Like, that's it's not going to work. You're not going to get any better doing it like that. So, I don't know. It's not for us to basically push you to do it. Like, you should actually be pushing yourself to actually entering in all these things. I don't want you to actually be listening and, like, paying for Andy's, like, Patreon thing if you're not going to do anything. We are here to try to make you a better sports photographer, like we always say. I mean, that's really, like, our ethos of the whole thing. And it's really up to you for you to to do it or not do it. But we do guarantee you that if you actually keep on doing these assignment things, if you keep on participating in training ground to like try new things every month, I mean like you will you will get better. But you have to make sure that you participate. If you don't participate, it's like, you know, paying for gym membership, but like not going to gym. Like you're paying or you're actually participating then might as well like you know make the best out of it that's really it for assignment desk we're going to move on to master's class and hopefully next one we're going to see more than like three entries because it's really like well that's it right for this one yeah that's it so see you in master class In Masterclass, we pick a topic in sports photography and we serve it on a plate to your ears. You got something to say? Tell us at BigLensFastShutter.com. I also like to take this time and place to talk about Matt Cohen's class thing. Because I think we should do it every single episode, just so people kind of know what's going on. So, do you want to kind of like briefly... It's not set in stone at this point, right? You're just kind of preparing it. Um. Yeah, it's a little bit set in stone. So I'm doing workshops this year. A steer wrestler who has, he's like a legend. He's got five world championships and he's still going. And I went down to his ranch to shoot a workshop that he was giving for people who wanted to learn how to be steer wrestlers. And uh, I was really, I was just like inspired by watching him and these other guys who are all big time professional rodeo guys teach kids. Some of them were young kids, like, I don't know, 10, 12 years old. Some of them were college kids who were getting ready to graduate and turn pro. And so I went down there and I shot that and it made me want to do workshops because I think it's important to raise the level in general. It's why we do this podcast. It's, uh, I think it's important this year. I'm going to do, I don't know, maybe, I think maybe five total workshops and they're going to be rodeo focused because that's where I have access to training and school and things like that. I would love to be able to do it at, you know, a hockey game or something, but it's not really practical. So even if you're not like an aspiring rodeo photographer, which is totally fine, I think you can get a lot out of these because it's not just shooting rodeo like that's what we'll be shooting but it's also you know light and angles and techniques and lenses and things like that 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 i do that that will apply to other sports so anyway it's not set in stone i am taking uh information from people who who want to uh, learn more about it who might who might want to do it you can go to madcohenphoto.com slash workshops and uh, be some information there and you can fill in some things and then I can keep you posted on it. The first one is going to be in Northern California and it is going to be, it's going to be in April 23rd and 24th. Probably do like six or seven people 
per day and it'll be a full day of shooting and critiquing and ask as many questions as you want one-on-one and one on everybody that's there so it should be you know a pretty compact way to learn a lot of information i definitely will guarantee that you'll be better by the end of the day anyway com slash workshops you can learn more about it again the first one is going to be in late april and then there's definitely going to be we're going to go to the steer wrestling school that i was just talking about that's in november in southern california and then i'll try to fill in two or three more yeah please go to mattcohen.com slash workshops and uh, all the details will be there you should probably go to mattcohenphoto.com slash workshops or that it's mattcohenphoto.com slash workshops <laughs> mattcohen.com is probably some like uh, investment banker or something like that did you know this is a, this is like a really funny sidebar there's a is it, is another it really funny or is it like you think it's funny it's funny right. make no, it make it short there's a there's a photographer right. on the i think he's on the east coast who also kind of shoots sports and he shoots like yachting or something okay boat racing uh-huh. and he like on everywhere like his facebook and his instagram and his website whatever it's like it says in big letters i'm not that matt cohen <laughs> so <laughs> it's pretty funny i guess he gets you know a lot of my emails or something people oh that sucks huh? is it well his website is i'm not that matt com. no 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 it's like a it's like a big message or something on, but his name is matt cohen you know, it's like on his facebook cover photo yeah that's really weird huh? uh like, i'm gonna go into this like whole thing i just want to say like i've never actually met anyone with my name in japan which is recently discussed about as well I hope you're listening. I'm not that com, but he does yachting. Yachting? Yachting. Sorry, we went on a tangent, but it was a necessary one. What we want you to do is that right now, currently we're recording this is January 31st, and by the time it goes up, it'll probably be February something. It's still very, very cold everywhere in Northern Hemisphere. Like, it's it's winter. And if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, it's probably very, very hot because, you know, in the Southern Hemisphere, it's summer right now. What we want you to do is that we want you to take pictures of a sporting event that shows temperature or weather. So, for instance, like if you are in the Northern Hemisphere, you're shooting something like on the field, like say rugby, and you can see the the breath coming out of the, the player's mouth and you can really see it. So that means it's cold. If you're in the southern hemisphere, it's very, very hot. So you want to maybe capture it by using maybe sweat to show that it's very, very hot. Um, if you're in the northern hemisphere, again, it, there is a skiing event, but not just ski because skiing just is automatically going to be, you know, cold. But maybe you're going to have some mountains with snow-capped mountains to show this cold. So we need just to, like if it's really flat out, like for instance, if it's hockey. If you want to shoot hockey, I mean, it cannot be inside because it would just be normal hockey. It could have been like in summer. So you want to show like if it's hockey like played outside on a frozen pond or something. So we want you to really think about like how your picture is going to tell a particular story within that frame. It should be very easy in a way that if you're in a, if you're kind of like blessed, I should like be somewhere where it's very, very cold and there's like, you know, you're playing field sports a lot or there's snow like on the football pitch or something like that and it's very, very easy to do but if it's not then you really have to like really think about how you're going to capture that moment to basically show temperature or weather or season or any of those things hopefully i kind of like explained it well enough for you to do this um assignment desk 
you know, again, we try so many times. Like we see these pictures and again, it's like the classic, uh, you know, two guys in a ball kind of picture. So there's a way to shoot it so that it incorporates more than what was going on in that game. And I look at it as adding value. Like anybody can be down there. What are my pictures going to say that other people who might be shooting that aren't going to say? And I'll give a good example of this. So I woke up this morning and I'm looking through social media and I don't know if you guys had it over there, but there was a, some kind of weird moon situation going on that it was bigger than normal. And there was an eclipse and the way the light was, it was red. So it was like a super red moon. I don't know, something like that. Anyway, (laughs) it doesn't happen very often, but I never pay attention to these things because I don't like to stay up all night and be outside. Anyway, so I'm looking through. And so I have many different kinds of photographers, people all the way from, you know, guys that have won Pulitzers to, you know, people who are just starting out. And there are pictures on my feeds that have, you know, just the moon. It was like, okay, I uh, got the longest lens out that I could and I cropped it down to a square that's just the moon and it's red and maybe there's a little bit of detail or something. And then, you know, that's like the beginner people. And then there's like all the way up to people who are, who had planned this out and used apps to figure out the path of the moon or something. And they got it offset against the golden gate bridge or sitting on top of Koi tower or, you know, with people in the background or in the foreground or whatever. Anyway, they've done like extra work to show, yes, it's a red moon, but it's also a red moon in the place that we live. And that's our job is to show that place. So what I'm talking about, and we're going to get into this a little bit in uh, cross counter as well, which kind of ties in, but the environment that you're shooting in is also important. It's not as important as the, the athletes, but it's important to show the depth of what's going on, not just two guys in a ball, but where is it? Is it a particularly beautiful location? Is there a sunset or whatever? Like all of those things are important. And so what we're talking about is weather. If a game is happening in the cold or the rain or the mud or something like that, then all of that is part of it. And it shouldn't be incidental to the picture like oh yeah you can see that it's really muddy in the background i want to see mud everywhere i want to see you know somebody's beard frozen or the steam coming out when they're breathing or something like that because again that's what separates it from being just another picture you can shoot a football game in the fall and it's you know it's like almost still summer outside or you couldn't tell the difference if it was summer but then it you know gets into the playoffs and all of a sudden it's five degrees outside and snowing a little bit those pictures they're going to look different no matter what you do but you should be doing something to make them look as different as they possibly can take advantage of of what you have it's just another thing to incorporate like like i said if you're just shooting outside and it's like noon it's totally sunny and a blue sky or whatever that's fine i'm not saying don't shoot then but if you can't make a picture more interesting when it's raining or snowing or something like that or freezing cold outside and people are bundled up, then you're not thinking beyond the game. You have to think about everything that's going on and then figure out how to incorporate that into your pictures. And it's not every time that you're going to have the opportunity to do this. But for example, there are rodeos that I shoot in California in the spring and it rains in California in the spring. And so there are definitely times where I know I'm going to get super muddy at this one. Or if I'm shooting snowboarding or something like that, I know I'm going to get really cold. But 
as soon as I think, okay, well, what kind of gear is going to be appropriate? Do I need my full snowboarding outfit or can I get away with, you know, just like waterproof windbreaker or something like that? As soon as I'm done figuring out how I'm going to dress for that, I'm figuring out how am I going to use the conditions that I have to be out in to make better pictures. And so that's what I want you to be thinking about as you go into this. You shoot year round. A picture, especially if you're shooting, I don't know, something that happens inside or whatever, you have to work a little bit harder to get the differentiation. Hockey's a good one, whether it's, you know, somebody who breathed into the glass and, you know, there's fog on it or something like that, all the way to sliding through shards of ice flying all over the place. But these are the kind of things, like, you know you're going out to shoot it. Start thinking about what kind of conditions you're going to see other than the actual sport and then figure out how to incorporate those into your pictures. And it'll be the difference between shooting a picture that's just the moon and figuring out how to get the moon, you know, set off against the cables yeah. for the Golden Gate Bridge. The threat should actually be there uh, when you're listening to this podcast and just participate, you know, get your shit together and, um, yeah, put the photos there, okay? It really doesn't matter if it's good. It doesn't matter if it's bad. Just participate because just the act of participating in this of thinking about it of putting it up and then listening to the specific things that we have to say about your picture will make you better over time you've got questions we've got answers this is pledge qqqqq And welcome to Pledge Cues, where we answer your questions. If you've paid us money, and you paid us money, and you haven't asked any questions this month, therefore, there's basically no questions for us to answer. Now, we do have a question. We had one, and it was a question from Reed. And this is how it reads. No pun intended. A Colorado-based cycling publication, Velo News, used one of my images without permission in its most recent issue. It was a photo of the famous Mount Evans Hill climb. They pulled it off my Flickr page and thought that because my license says non-commercial use only, they could use it in a half-page spread um, illustrating an article about great cycling climbs around the world. They did not uh, seek advice, uh, advanced permission. They did give credit in very tiny little letters that were barely legible. A friend saw the issue and congratulated me on getting uh, one of my pictures in Velo News, which was the only way I could have found out. Anyone else have a for-profit magazine claim that using a picture was okay because it was a uh, was not for commercial use? Maybe by non-commercial use, they thought that because they were not paying me, it was non-commercial. <laughs> I actually didn't read the whole thing until there. Actually, it's the first time I read it. <laughs> Maybe it was the last one. I'm going to read what Matt Cohen wrote uh, in response. Uh, I'll read Alvaro Singh, but I'm pressed for time, so I'm going to skip it. Not that we don't love Alvaro, but I love Matt Cohen more. So I'm going to read it. Uh, Matt Cohen replied back, There's no good reason not to set your rights to all rights reserved, period. People can always ask and you can decide case by case. Don't make it easier for people to claim they misunderstood. In short, they shouldn't have used it like that, but you'd have to be, you had a very hard time trying to make them pay anything because of the terms. For me, the terms I want to use to avoid misunderstanding is editorial versus commercial. 
At this point, the best thing you can do is to try to turn him to a client by referencing the picture and offering your paid services to shoot for upcoming issues. Once they have any kind of uh, profit with that image, even indirect income like advertising inside that magazine, subscribers, uh, etc., the non-commercial use license doesn't apply there. They have to pay or whatever you ask them as yeah. exchange. Uh, this is what Alvaro right. said and Matt Cohen said, no, this is not a thing. So without blowing this whole thing up uh, into a very big thing, let's try to make it concise and understanding. So I want to actually start out with the editorial versus commercial thing. So what is the difference between editorial use and commercial use? Editorial use is like a magazine or a newspaper is writing a story about something, in this case, a hill climb. And they say, we want to use a picture to illustrate what we're talking about in this story. It's the magazine writing the story. It's the magazine running the picture. It's editorial. That's what that word means in that in that. Uh, in that usage commercial means for an ad it could also mean for for me it means a company's social media it means anything that a company is doing to advertise or promote or give you more information about their product so i have a company that makes saddle pads for horses and they can use my pictures on their social media. They can use it on their website. They can use it in magazine ads, convention banners, things like that. That's commercial use. But if one of their riders gets written about in a magazine and the magazine buys one of the pictures, then that's editorial use. The reason that this is important is that commercial use is much more valuable than editorial use. A company who is selling a product is going to have more money and it's going to be more valuable to them because again you know if they're selling something that's worth a couple hundred dollars then that picture can be more expensive to them because if they sell 50 things at two hundred dollars that's a lot more money than if you have a picture in a magazine and the magazine sells for five dollars and there's hundreds of other pictures in it so anyway for me a company using it for commercial reasons without permission is way worse than a magazine using it without permission because the money that I would get from a commercial usage is way more than money that I would get for an editorial usage. It doesn't mean that it's okay. It just means that there's much less of a loss involved. Where this applies to what Reed is saying is that, I don't know when this all started, but there started to be like people decided at some point that the copyright system was too restrictive and they had all these alternative rights things that you can find these and copy and paste them. I forget what it's called, but there's like different kinds of licenses. So you can have like um, non-commercial with attribution, which means that they need to credit you, but they can't use it to make money. Um, there's, uh, you know, share and share alike, which means that the people who, are using the picture must have pictures that other people can share. So you can fall down a pretty deep rabbit hole. I think Flickr also incorporates these. So like when you're setting up your account, you can say, what is the default license on this picture? And so if you have like family pictures or something like that, you could say, oh yeah, I don't care if people use these or whatever. Or you could say, I care more about these. And you can set those pictures to a certain rights usage or you can set them all to be all rights reserved or you can do it picture by picture. So what I would recommend is that 
there's no good reason to not have all rights reserved. This is what I was telling Reed. You can even say on their all rights reserved contact for usage or something like that. What you don't want to do is give somebody an excuse to say, oh, yeah, I, I didn't understand what you were saying. We just used it because we were on a deadline or something. What you want to do is make them talk to you because this is a way that you can get clients. If it says all rights reserved, contact for use, you could have any kind of message in there that you want. It's just a copy and paste onto pictures that you post. And then they get in touch with you through Flickr or mail or email or your website or whatever. And they can say, yeah, we want to use this picture. We don't have any money, but we can give you credit. And you can say, no, you know, you can... You can donate your salary to me or something like that. Or you can say, yeah, that's totally fine with me. But it gives you the it gives you the protection of being able to say, well, it said all rights reserved on it. You used it anyway. And then you can sue them for what it was worth. Or you can say um, you can have different terms of, you know, free for editorial use and please contact for commercial use. But the thing is that you don't want to give all the rights away because there's no, you don't get anything from it. Right. So Reed has non-commercial use only. I'm sure he isn't Reed a lawyer. <laughs> I seem to think he's a lawyer, but anyway, I think I think Reed's a lawyer. I'd correct us if we're wrong, Reed. But anyway, non-commercial use only. I'm sure he thought he was being a nice guy, and he thought, okay, well, you know, some cycling blog might use my pictures, and I might get some traffic from that, or something like that, and that's all fine. But the problem is that if you say non-commercial use only, this magazine is going to say, oh, it was editorial. They're going to say commercial is the opposite of editorial, which in some ways it can be. But what I would say and what Reed would probably say is, well, you sold ads and you sold magazines. So it's commercial use as far as I'm concerned. But you're not going to there's not going to be any resolution to it. Like they're going to say no and you're going to say yes and they're going to dare you to sue them. And you're not going to be able to find a lawyer that's going to sue them for a small amount like that. And then you're just out of luck. So if you put all rights reserved in there, you're much better off because then you can do whatever you want after. If they use your picture without it, you can demand any amount of money that you want from them. And then they have to figure out whether or not it's worth it to, uh, to you know, to pay you or to fight it or whatever. But if you use these like alternative rights, I, I should know what they're called, but I don't know. But anyway, there's a lot of them. You can customize it however you want, but you should customize it from all rights reserved, like have that be the first thing in there and then say, you know, happy to discuss options for, for usage or something like that. But don't use these alternative things. It's just like, I get it. Like if you're just walking around with your phone, taking pictures, you don't care if people use them or whatever, but if you're spending all this money on gear and you're spending all this time getting better and you're participating here to get better and all of that, you should get paid when people, when other people get paid. That's, that's like the standard that I use. If, if it's just like a pure nonprofit or something like that, yeah, go ahead. But ask me first. That's why you say the all rights reserved. But if somebody else is making money, right? And in this equation, whoever owns Velo News, whoever works at Velo News, then the people who are advertising in the magazine in the first, all these people are in part making money based on what you're doing you should get paid for that also. And if you use one of these uh, alternative rights things, it's just going to muddy the waters. Like people really, if they understand anything about copyright, it's all rights reserved or no rights reserved. So just say all rights reserved. I think you can even batch change old pictures. So if you're listening to this, I wish I knew where it was, but 
go into uh, your Flickr settings and you can change the default, you can change the existing ones. I would definitely do that because there's no there's no benefit to you to having looser restrictions on your pictures. I was gonna I should actually put that on my Instagram thing as well. All rights reserved. Can I can I just like put that in? You can put it anywhere you want. I mean, matter. you know, really what we're talking about here is is just words because you're unless you're unless you're writing something else, unless you're using one of these other Yeah, but it should be automatically all rights reserved anyway, isn't it? Like if you don't say anything, right. It is. It it <laughs> Yes, it it absolutely is. It, everything defaults as soon as you press the button on your camera, the the copyright unless there's been some other kind of agreement, the copyright is yours and you reserve all rights. If you just put up your pictures and don't say anything and someone uses them, yes, you can sue them. If you put one of these other things up, it just makes it more difficult. Non-commercial use only. Do you really want to have to like, you know, read could defend him or could prosecuted himself or whatever what's the word file those oh, okay listen to the, the, the I whole thing about i know nothing about the law but anyway if he if he filed a if he filed a copyright suit about it and tried to defend commercial versus non-commercial versus editorial whatever it would be a disaster you don't want to do that you want it to be as simple as possible you put all rights reserved on it or you put nothing on it you'll have the same rights as saying all rights reserved but don't use one of these alternative ones so basically in in summary, no, it's it's too late for Aunt Reed to get anything back. And yes, make sure you don't use these alternative right licensing things. Creative Commons, that's what it's called. I just looked it up. Yeah, um, don't Creative Commons. Yeah, don't I, you know what? Commons. I support what they're doing 100%. That's fine for people who aren't, you know, pursuing photography. Like if you're spending the the kind of money that it takes to do this creative commons is not for you at all okay um it's it's fine but not for you so i'm just gonna move on to like since there aren't any more questions i'm going to like because people have actually like made some uh photography resolutions so michael k who's always been great just starting things and doing things he started this whole thing and i thought it'd be funny that i'm gonna read it here and then let's see if any of these resolutions that get like kind of kept for the entire year. So Michael K is saying, support those who support you. Like many, I spend hundreds. Who am I trying to fool? Thousands of dollars a year in photography gear. That makes me marginally better uh, photographer. But the advice from BLFS has made me a thinking photographer as opposed to a frozen action loving button pusher. I'm still not very good, but at least I know why. That's a start. The rest of the year, hmm? ROI on my page. What's ROI? Return on investment. Rest of the year? Oh, return on investment. ROI is return of the year. Rest of the year. That's fantasy basketball thing. Okay, bye. The return of investment on my Patreon pledge was way out of whack. My first sports photography resolution of 2018 was to double my BLFS photography Patreon pledge. It's a better return than buying some useless Kickstarter gizmo or camera bag to 116. Done. Yeah, first of all, thank Support. you to Michael for that. And I guess, you know, this That's is like the a beneficial way of looking at this for us anyway. But, you know, I was talking to a couple of people about the workshops that I'm going to be doing and, you know, pricing for these things is always kind of tricky. But when you think about the gear that you need to do this it's really not that much money for a workshop it's not that much money to support us on patreon and 
unlike, I don't know, you know, what could you get for $120 in a year? Like if you pledge $10 to us per month as $120, what can you even get photography wise? Like a extra battery, like the batteries for a, for a D5 or hundred and I don't know, $100. You can't really get anything for under twenty dollars. Like probably the remote, yeah. maybe you know. I mean, if you're really, really desperate for a remote, I mean, you can probably get a pair for. But you couldn't even. But you couldn't get bucks, a pocket wizard for one hundred and twenty dollars. It would be like some off-brand no, thing. But anyway, uh, it's not that much money. Mm-hmm. It helps us. Uh, it definitely motivates us to record when we're not feeling like recording, and uh, it helps us help other people. And it's not in the grand scheme of things, especially in the grand scheme of sports photography, not that much money. So we definitely appreciate Michael for recognizing that uh, and certainly for doubling his pledge. That's very nice. So Tom's resolution is I've been working full time for a sports photography agency picture desk for the last couple of months. 2018, I hope to be out making the pictures rather than captioning and editing them. So basically, if Tom is working as a at the desk at December two thousand eighteen, he's basically failed us all. So this is this is good though. Sure this is good. Know. I bet Tom is better after this than before this because looking at a, a volume of pictures coming in like that of shitty has to you you have to be able to learn from that. And there are so many fewer places that we can send people to go and find an unlimited stream of good pictures like it used to be i don't know five years ago or something like that there were like five ten places that we could send people we used to have links on the side of the site like if you're if you're wondering you know how to tell good pictures from bad go here and look at these pictures for 15 minutes click through as many of them as you can and you'll have a better sense of what we're talking about i can't even really do that anymore because there's there's still Mm -hmm. great pictures out there but they're not like concentrated in any one place and so it's really difficult to do that but if you're sitting on a picture desk somewhere that's a pretty good stream of pictures to you know to kind of use to train yourself as to what's good and what's not and what's been overdone and what hasn't so it's good to hear that michael puts himself even more in a corner he's good i like his uh, his stance on like he just he just likes to overburden himself (laughs) sometimes I'm going to stop complaining about crappy light and learn to work with what I have much more creatively. There's a limit to that, by the way, because I just did uh, a climbing event in Sheffield in England where this basically was just almost pitch black and I, we couldn't do anything. But, uh, yeah, crappy light, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you can work with most of the time. It's always something, a poorly lit gym, night high school football game, soccer with the mid-afternoon sun roaring down. It's never perfect, so I need to work effectively with what I have. So I will will make sure that you get something that you you keep your word and you improve on this and lastly i'm going to get a better post-production to make up for crappy light yeah is that is that even possible it's not really even possible no you can't really do it so michael will well you don't have to do number three it's like the your editing skill like i rather you improve your photography skill than your editing skill i guess just no no i think jim has a bag problem so he needs to sort out his bag problem this year because uh, you were talking about bags. How many camera bags? Hold on. How many camera bags do you have? What? How many do you have total? Like what I use? I have four. Four? I have four also. I have two. Four. You got rid of a camera bag? Yeah. I got rid of a couple of them because I wasn't using them. Yeah, because like I've kind of, you know, I have the airports in 
international roller thing that's got four wheels, and I use that. And I have my vest that I use all the time. I need. I do need a picture of you wearing the vest, though. That's a that's a bag, right? Yeah. No, I know because it's, it's kind of a bag. No. No, no. There's yeah. There's a guy that shoots for the papers here that I'm friends with who is known for wearing vests. Oh, uh, like I'm world famous now with that vest because no one else has that yellow vest. So. All right, I need a picture. What else do you have? Yeah, but the vest is so good that yeah, okay, shit. Now there's like a bag that I, my first camera bag that I bought, which I still have, and I use it occasionally when the uh, the vest is not a good thing to like a wedding shoot or something. So I think maybe about three. I have four. I have two. If I include the vest, I have two airport security rollers, one for camera gear and one for lights. Okay. And batteries and cables and stuff, and then. I have the, these are all Think Tank, by the way. I have the Shape Shifter, which is a backpack that can hold a laptop and two bodies and three lenses. And then I have the Urban Disguise, which is the first camera bag that I bought. And I still have it, like, I don't even know how long later. But that can hold, like, five lenses and two bodies. Mm-hmm. So that's a shoulder bag. And then I have a backpack. And I decide whether to use those if I'm not taking a big lens, I'll use one of those. And if I am, I use the roller. Um, you know what? I don't know. I don't like the perfect bag doesn't exist, but you don't need to have, I don't think you need to have five bags. Right. Yeah. But like, I understand like why people buy these like bags, like, because I had quite a lot more and I just got rid of them because I just wasn't, I have a lot of like bags, like for other things. Right. You ha- you have like, I have like bags. For, hmm? You have a lot of bags until you figure out the ones that work for you. It's not like an, you know, at some point you have all the gear that you're going to have. And at some point you're shooting all the things that you're going to shoot. And so it really shouldn't be like, you know, like I have an Adidas problem. Like I'll never have enough Adidas, but I do have enough camera bags and I haven't bought a new one in, I don't know, at least a few years, three years or something like that. And so the, the idea is that like, there's a Tom Hogan writes about buying gear, buying the right gear once instead of buying things that aren't right and then having to sell it and take a loss and then buy what you should have bought in the first place. That's important. I think, especially with things that are expensive and like these, these bags aren't expensive compared to camera gear, but they're expensive compared to other bags, right? Like a, no, they're like a couple, like 300, $400, you know, they're not cheap. These rollers are like the airport security rollers are like four fifty, I think. And then the urban skies was two and the, the shapeshifter was like 250 or whatever. So there's like $1,500 worth of camera bags. And, you know, yeah, that's a lot, but it's not even one pro quality lens. So, you know. Yeah, but like I think there there is there is a thing like, for, uh, first of all, A, there are people who basically just cannot get enough camera bags. And there's people like me that like buys them and then basically gets, gets like I need to try them out myself first. And then it decides like, okay. I'm basically I'm gonna take a loss. Like I've, I've I've taken some like losses on like selling like equipment, but I had to actually I had to use it to convince myself this is what I don't need eventually. You know, so it's I don't know like if it's because if you don't get to try it, then you'll never know. That's kind of my stance on the whole thing. So I'm thinking like it's like a rental fee. You know, I pay like whatever twenty thirty percent rental fee of the thing, and like I use it. And that's it. You know, I wouldn't collect them. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's fair, but. I don't know. I just think that, you know, when you're talking, I just think that's ridiculous. I mean, I don't even have enough room to collect all this shit. But anyway, I'm just saying that, you know, you can be like, for example, you could go 
to a store, do they carry Think Tank in stores over there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I, if if I had a question about it, I would take gear and I would go to a store and they'll let you put your stuff in. That's what I would do. But anyway, the the point yeah, of it I is buy say, good yeah. buy good stuff. We are both 100% fans of Think Tank. I would recommend that stuff. Um, so buy it once. Don't, you know, this idea of like you're always – like I haven't even thought about a camera bag in forever because I have – what I have completely works for me. Get to that point because for me, like thinking about camera bags is taking you away from thinking about the pictures that you need to make. I would, you know, get what you need and then, you know, move on to, to other, other things. I agree the whole, the gear thing because I like shiny new things as well. Just, um, yeah, be Kickstarter, probably not a good thing because you never know what's going to happen with that one. So Mihao is saying he's going to go to Georgia in about a month. So he's moving from Russia to Georgia. And he says, I have to work uh, hard to be a better businessman and pay BFS for what they've done to me in all these years. So let's say like in the at the end of the year, we hopefully can get some money from Mihao. That'll be very, very good. That means he's doing very, very well in Georgia. So good luck, Mihao. I think he should have a reality show and I think he should have to move to georgia in the u.s instead of georgia the former soviet republic which is better i think georgia and u.s is going to be no i I just think it would be i think it would i think it would be fine georgia's i i don't like i hope it's going to be okay for him because apparently it's very very bad in russia to get any sort of like work in sports photography so because when i met him he was he was telling me that so hopefully it's going to work out Simon says, like Michael, I'm totally in mad and views debt for helping me become a bit less crap and Patreon is a great way to pay something back. Double or triple it, Simon. We're absolutely fine with that. My 2018 photography resolution is to shoot more emotion and buy another camera bag. I go with the shoot more emotion thing. You can buy another camera bag, maybe 2019 and not 2018. We'll hold you up for it. Hold up to it. So December 2018, I hope we will see a just a myriad of just great emotional sports towards photography pictures and michael mozart okay my goal for 2018 is the same as it was for 2017 i want to submit one photo which will be good photo by matt's and matt interview standards so hopefully you will get one this year besides that i'll try to to do my photo job as good as possible and try to get better and better by trying new stuff i, I i'm assuming new technique and not new equipment and of course, thanks to Man Review for what they have done in the past. And yes, maybe I might be able to increase my pledge for BLFS a bit. Yes, thank you. And lastly, Kevin Sosa says, does 2018 goals improve my editing skills and keep trying to learn how to take better photos? So this editing photo thing, just very briefly from my side. Sure, but I think I'd rather become a better photographer and let other people edit my photos because probably they're much better time use becoming a better sports photographer then become a better editor briefly matt cohen should anyone actually try to become a better editor this year or not i think it depends on what you mean by editing really i think photoshop yeah well uh, you know no so i look at things like this as photography is something that you can never be too good at right you can you will always be like if i'm not better than i was or if i'm not at least thinking on a you know like a a higher level than i was even like 2 months ago at any given point in time 
two months ago, I would hope that I was thinking or shooting better than I was four months ago and, and so on. So you can never like any incremental gain in how good of a photographer you are is important to me. Editing is something that there's a bar and whether you clear the bar or don't clear the bar is important, but by how much you clear it or don't clear it is not important. So if you're good enough as an editor, that's good enough. You don't need to maximize. You don't need to go to Photoshop world. You don't need to, you know, pay someone to help you use it better or something like that because you're either getting your pictures out to people in a way that they want to see them or not. And I just don't think that editing f for photographers, like if you're a, a retoucher or whatever, then photo then retouching is your photography and there's literally no improvement gain that's not worth it. But we're photographers, so the picture is what's important. Yes, the editing, you know, in Photoshop, that's fine, but there is a there's a bar. Just get over the bar. I don't think that it should be a New Year's resolution to get better at Photoshop. For nope. me, editing... No, I'm not done. Stop <laughs> oh trying to cut me off. I know you're hungry. Yeah, go. I'm listening. Editing is also deciding which of your pictures is good and which suck. And that's something that I think everybody should always be getting better at because the goal is to never have your name next to shitty pictures. And so on, on that axis, I think that you can always be a better editor by training your eye to what's good and what's not good. And then finally, you know, editing could also mean, you know, for Kevin, like editing in between periods and getting pictures out. Yeah. You can always get faster at that, but at some point it's not going to matter anymore. Like I'm not ever going to be the fastest person, but I'm faster than most. And that's good enough. I don't need to be the fastest. I don't need to get my pictures out 30 seconds earlier than somebody else does. I just need to get them out before the, the intermission is over. So, so Photoshop, no training your eye. Yes. And you know, as far as speed and getting the pictures out. Yeah. I mean, like I think every, every, everyone's like new year resolution should be like, I'm going to enter every single assignment desk this year. Really? I was surprised. I didn't actually. So people who've actually said, you know, stuff here, I would, I'm going to tag on, tack onto this whole thing that you should actually enter every single assignment desk for the calendar year. It's a good goal. So we will go back. Hopefully, I'll remember to actually go back and we're going to actually go back and read this and we're going to see if people have actually kept up their New Year resolution. And that ends the pledge queue, kind of pledge queues. And yes, if you are a Patreon pleasure, you are allowed to ask us questions. So please ask them. That's about it. Think we only say bad things about sports photography? You say we got no soul? Hell no. We're going to prove you wrong with... Cross country. I'm hungry. Time to hold your fellow sports photographer's hands as we tell you why a specific sports photograph makes us quiver with joy. So we ran out of ideas and we basically asked Google. I always typed in sports photography 2018 and this is what we got from CNN of all places. Fake news. So this um, just like collections like 21 amazing sports photos. I'm actually going to copy this. I'm going to send it to my, I already sent it back on. You know, because sometimes I kind of lose like where we actually saw these photos. So I have chosen one, and this is of Tiger Woods, who's actually playing golf now. 
funnily enough. He actually is. And he um, made a cut, which is big news this week and blah, blah, blah. He hasn't won anything, so whatever. Let's get excited when he actually wins something. What is very, very good about this is that the photographer shot this through a crowd. And I'm sure he does a big person right in front of him. Actually just kind of blacked everything out. And you can see a lot of movement. I think that's just kind of like... Maybe he shot it a bit slower than usual. So you can see a lot of movement. Um, maybe people clapping because you can see the hands. What I like about this photo is that like it's basically like using the environment to your advantage. Like really to your advantage. Because had he shot this normally, so it's just like say that he just basically shot a picture of Tiger Woods um, after a fall through. This would just be sucky photo. Like it's just nothing, you know, interesting. But by adding the environment, which is the gallery, the crowd, you know, whatever the gallery, however you want to actually call it. That's them. where this is. I'm going to use the obstacles in the picture. And this is like a really important thing to do. I do it all the time because there's sometimes where you either can't get the angle that you want or the angle that you want doesn't work because it's boring or something like that. And so he used his surroundings, in this case, the crowd to frame tiger and the bonus of this picture why it's good is that the crowd is really dark and the light is just hitting tiger the nitpick on this is that the background behind him isn't good um yeah but it's not distractingly bad like there's nobody standing back there in you know like a fluorescent yellow vest or something which would have completely ruined it the background is not good but it doesn't kill the picture and the way the light is hitting him versus the uh, the shadows from the crowd uh, makes it a good picture. So use what's around you. You have to step back and not just shoot the subject. You have to incorporate Shit, yeah. the surroundings into it. And that's the crowd. It's a tree. It's cars, stands, anything. Like use what's around you to make the pictures more interesting and have more depth like this one does. Um, yeah. Uh, this tennis picture, right? It's Gregor Dimitrov at the Australian Open. It was taken by Scott Barber of Getty. Because they couldn't really get the credit line small enough. This is just like a master level example of what we were just talking about of incorporating the surroundings. So the Australian Open is like one of those events that's kind of famous for the, the way the, the light happens. Like, There's a couple other places that do this i don't know if they did it on purpose or if it was just like a quirk of how they built it but where the brewers play in milwaukee there are big lights and so if they play an afternoon game the sun comes right through and lights up like different pockets of the stadium at a time and the where the cowboys play it's also like that and then here get credentials to shoot something and you're like okay where can i get and you want to get really close this this is like the opposite of that this is saying okay i know where i can go but i don't need to be there for the whole time and this is a two-week tournament this guy's going to play six times or seven times or something and i don't need to have a thousand pictures of this guy hitting a backhand when you see light like this everything other than somebody hoisting a trophy should go out the window if you're shooting for someone and they need a picture of the winner holding up a trophy, then you need to be in position. But other than that, if you see light like this, the most important thing that there is is to take advantage of it. No matter what kind of picture you get, it's more important to have a picture that takes advantage of the surroundings like this 
than it is to have just another picture of a dude hitting a, a tennis ball. So what he did was he found somewhere and it, and it's like every bit of this picture is good from the patience that it must have taken to get this guy to step out of the shadow and into where the light is to finding a vantage point to get the crowd in like this kind of diagonal, like these things don't happen by accident, right? This guy could have just gone up and shot it straight or something like that. But what he's done is made visually interesting by having that ray of light and the, how it's lighting up the hats of all these people go literally from corner to corner. And then you have the diagonal of where the sunlight is on the court and how he had just stepped from outside of the shadow onto the court. And even the guy's orange, outfit adds to the picture so it's really like it's a brilliant use of the angle of where the light is and then the darkness on the basically almost the whole frame is completely dark and so he's used the light to only light up the things that he wanted to light this is really a fantastic picture it's probably the the best picture i've seen in quite a while but this is what we're talking about like that yes the action is happening down on the court but there are other things and when you make a picture like this, it's not just like, oh, yeah, it's just like some other picture I made. This guy's going to remember this picture forever. He's happy with this picture, I guarantee you. However many he did, I don't care. Like, if you if you were there to shoot the whole thing and you came away with this, that wouldn't be enough for Getty, but it would be enough for me. Like, if, if, this, if this event was happening locally to me and I went and I shot and, you know, I wasn't really happy with anything else that I did for two weeks but I did this, I'd still be pretty happy as long as there wasn't somebody yelling at me about it. Far, far, far more interesting. And it's it's a shame because I'm sure like not a lot of, not a lot of people actually saw this either because I found on CNN and they usually like have a picture of the the trophy and like, who, God, who gives a shit? Nick Federer's won something, you know? Let this be a lesson to you. Also, I can actually like see some like this like quite hard uh, shadow picture actually being a bit of like a summary thing as well. You know, so just like the environmental thing will be very, very important for your next next assignment. That's just going back to what it was for, because this is probably, you know, this not being the perfect okay. example I should showing summer, but at least just really think about all the lights as well. And what causes people like, for instance, if people are like wearing, you know, like no uh, shirts, for instance, or just people wearing a lot of clothes that also signifies temperature and weather as well. So just so you know. And that ends cross counter. <laughs> Holy shit. See, this is what happens when I don't eat. And with that, we end the 69th episode of Big Lens Fast Shutter. Can't do this without you, my beautiful listeners, and obviously Rob with two Bs, our wonderful producer extraordinaire. Even if you're not as evil as Matt Cohen, please go to our Facebook page and like us. Better yet, do that and subscribe to our blog at BigLensFastShutter.com so that you won't miss any of our latest and greatest hits. And if you love us even more, please rate this podcast on iTunes. And obviously, if you have that dollar in your pocket, please go to Patreon.com slash BLFS to recap Facebook, blog, iTunes, and Patreon. Rinse, repeat, love us more. See you next month. Uh, I just really, there's a, um, um, yeah, um, the, uh, um, guy, uh, it's really, so, uh, but, um, uh, but, so, anyway, and, so, so uh, uh, news, uh, not cool, uh, um, uh,
don't know. Um, so, um, and um, yeah. 